<laughs> you turn to Proverbs chapter 22. That's a text that was used in the uh, landmark articles and <coughs> sermons that were preached. We'll read that. Proverbs 22 and verse 28, Remove not the ancient landmark which thy fathers have set. Boundaries is what is meant here. And uh, Israel had boundaries. God graciously gave them boundaries. Mercifully. And gave them a land that flowed with milk and honey. And he set up boundaries in that land. And uh, to the different tribes, he uh, assigned them land, and that was theirs. Some in our day and time think it's theirs that are not Israelites, but they're wrong. God gave the boundaries. And not only did he... Uh, ascribe boundaries as far as land was concerned, but there was also some landmarks as far as their spiritual life was concerned. And one only has to think of the temple and the tabernacle and uh, know that that uh, is true. So I guess when uh, J.R. Graves, who... Uh, famously wrote, as far as landmarkism is concerned, uh, used this text. He, he had that in mind. It's a fact, though. It's a principle that since God first created this world, that he set boundaries. Now, you go over 100 miles this way, and you can watch big waves come out of the ocean and then they stop. And the reason they stop because God said you can't go any further. And that's what they, they obey Him. And that's good, isn't it? Uh, I've sat on the uh, beach there before, be in a chair and think, man, what if those waves didn't stop? You know? And sometimes that happens in a tsunami and that's bad. Well, when He created Adam and Eve, he set a boundary. He said, you can eat of any fruit of the tree of the garden as much as you want to eat. Enjoy it. It's for you. It's, it's great. But don't eat that one of the fruit of that uh, one tree that's in the midst of the garden. If you do, you'll die. So, you know, we need to think about boundaries when we, we think about that subject. That was the uh, text that they used. When they came up with this uh, teaching, it was not uh, a new teaching. A term was given to an old practice. And they gave the, the term to an old practice that they might uh, distinguish between some things that were going on that it might more enlighten them uh, as far as what they were uh, writing about. And we do that in preaching, don't we? 
We do that in preaching. There, there's verses of Scripture, you know, that uh, you use and it just jumps right out at you. And you've got no uh, problem whatsoever of knowing what that verse of Scripture means. And that was the purpose in, in using this verse. But landmarkism, uh, the uh, practice of it was an old practice in the book of Acts chapter chapter 2. And uh, notice in verse 42, we find the church. And I, I want to say this at the onset, that it is just as important... What the church did not do as it is what they did do. You know, sometimes people get in trouble and they want to do something and they'll go to the Bible and they'll say, well, you know, the Bible doesn't, uh, uh, is not really plain on this, you know. The Bible's not really plain about me, uh, going out and, uh, living a, uh, uh, this sinful life in, in some way, maybe, well, they, you know, the Bible doesn't say I shouldn't go out and smoke marijuana and all this. Uh, what did they not do? And what are the principles uh, of the Word of God? In Acts chapter 2 and uh, verse 42, here is the practice that was uh, laid out early in Jerusalem Baptist Church, and they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, and fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. What was it they followed? They followed the apostles' doctrine. Not because the apostles were men to be worshipped. I'll tell you right now, J.R. Graves... J.M. Pendleton and men such as them are not my idols. And they shouldn't be your idols. Doesn't the Bible speak against idols? Idolatry? I don't idolize men. But boy, I sure am thankful for some men. I'm thankful for men that came into my life. And I'm thankful for men that go all the way back to the apostles whom the Lord called, whom the Lord instructed, whom the Lord gave His truth to. These apostles, you know, most of them just a bunch of fishermen. Somebody said about me one time, well, what's he know? He's just an apple picker. <laughs> yeah. It's common men that have been moved upon by the Holy Spirit of God and uh, worked with by the Holy Spirit of God and granted wisdom in the Word of God. I don't idolize uh, men, but I respect what men say. I don't agree with everything that I read uh, in old landmark. I don't agree with everything. If I uh, agreed with everything, there's two of these preachers that preached here today that wouldn't, that could not have preached because they weren't ordained yet. I believe you're ordained to a work. 
You know, there's some things. I don't believe in the Southern Baptist Convention. Of course, the Southern Baptist Convention was just a baby uh, in uh, 1851, and it hadn't grown into uh, what it is today. And you mark it down, these men, had they known what the Southern Baptist Convention would have turned into and had evolved into, they would have dropped it right quick. I don't agree with everything uh, in that book, but the majority of it, I do. And most of the time when we think about landmarker, landmarkism, we uh, think of the fact that uh, the Lord's church needs to be separated from the churches of the world. There needs to be a separation. There is a commandment for a separation. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. We need to get that in our heads. Most of you have that in your heads. Younger people don't have that in their heads, man. Younger people might not know what that means, and younger people might not know the dangers of locking arms with those who are not in the Lord's churches. And I tell you, there's dangers. There's dangers. Spiritual dangers. Rewards are at stake. You know, men have stood up here uh, today, men who careth for your souls. There are rewards at stake when it comes to uh, fellowshipping. Fellowshipping, I'll say. I should say. Uh, with false churches. There's some names mentioned today. Uh, uh, MacArthur, Piper, they're not Baptists. They ought not to be regarded as Baptists. They ought not to be respected as Baptists. And whatever they have to say about the church, you're taking advice and wisdom for those who aren't even a Baptist. You know, after a while, if you want to know something about raising apples, ask me. If you want to know something about the air conditioning business, ask Brother Gene. You know. Don't go out and seek advice as far as the Lord's church is concerned from those who aren't even in the Lord's church. And I'll just be truthful with you, that really uh, irritates me. I told my boys, I said, I don't know if, uh, if I have a uh, righteous indignation. I don't know if I'm uh, wrong. Uh, I told them to pray for me. It's just upsetting to me that, uh, you know, Baptists all over the countryside uh, regard these men as uh, great men, as men who uh, have uh, the truth of all of the God. They have the, all the uh, Word of God. They have some truth. They don't have all the truth. If you want to 
go do a job, you want to seek advice from somebody that has all the truth. You want to learn how to uh, build a car, and you go to somebody and they tell you uh, everything that you need to do, and you build it and it doesn't work, and they say, oh, I didn't know about that. <laughs> I forgot to tell you that. That wouldn't help you. Baptists have all the truth. That's what the Bible says. Brother Aldous said that the church was the pillar and the ground of the truth. Upholders of the truth. And I'm thankful for that. Praise the Lord. You know, if you can't say that, if you can't admit that, then uh, you're failing to give God all the glory due His name because He said His truth in the church. So then the apostles were uh, the original landmarkers. They would go different cities and different countries and they would tell the people there, you follow us as we follow the Lord. And you'll find in your Bibles that it was always exclusive. The Lord's work was always exclusive. It was never inclusive as far as uh, God's work was concerned and as far as those in leadership. And I'm going to show you that in a Bible. It wouldn't do much good for me just to uh, go on here uh, in my allotted time and tell you what uh, some men thought and what some men wrote, but what the Bible says. When they brought, brought, uh, brought this up, there was a problem in 1851. Liberalism had uh, come in among the Baptists, and they were fellowshipping with the Presbyterians, and they were fellowshipping with uh, Campbellites, another baby uh, institution that hadn't been around for very long about 30 years, maybe 29, 30 years. Methodists, some Methodists. And they'd base their uh, fellowship on a, a few things. Well, Graves and Pendleton saw what was going on, and, uh, you know, they were able to recognize that uh, even though there was some fellowship to be had, that things weren't working out so well. J.M. Pendleton said this. He said, My opinion is that the number of Baptists in the United States would be larger by a million if it had ever been the understanding that there could be a ministerial affiliation between them and the P.D.O. Baptists. How strange such an affiliation. The change of 
The exchange of pulpits makes the impression that these are small matters. And this impression has led to be Peter Baptist who would otherwise have copied the example of Christ who said concerning his personal immersion, thus it becometh us to fulfill all righteousness. And is that statement not true? Now here we have these people that are so admired. So admired by people. Who are the enemies of the Lord's church. The Baptists don't have any friends in this world. And if you think Baptists have friends in this world, you're mistaken. If you think Landmark Baptist Church can be friends with this world, you're mistaken. Can God say something about being friends with the world? We don't think that applies to His church, especially. Those who are not Baptists are not out to help us. They are not out to promote us. They are not out to agree with all of our doctrines, but just the opposite. They are not your friends. No matter how good a preacher some of them may be on certain subjects, they are not your friends. Don't regard them as friends as far as churches are concerned. You can have a friend that's not a Baptist. I'm not saying that you can't. You can have friends that are not Baptists. But Baptist churches don't have friends. How can two walk together except they be agreed? Who asked that question? It's God asked that question. You tell God this morning how two can walk together except they be agreed. How could we uh, go out here and uh, link up with all the churches in the land and get along? I'll tell you the only way I, I, I know that you could do that is uh, not say much about what you believe. Really? Yeah. I've gotten along uh, sometimes in this life, you know, and just not to say much about what I believe. We were building the Portsmouth Bridge, and uh, I went in to get a new suit over in town, and people really upset. I mean, they had to wait to get across that bridge. It took forever to get over, and everybody mad in town, stores closing. And they were asking people, in there, oh, what do you do for a living? This man said, well, I, I, I'm a mechanic, and one was something else. He said, what do you do for a living? I said, I grow apples. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got along. 
That's how, that's how you get along. But how can two walk together? Except they be agreed. Well, it's not possible. There's a lot of issues come up as far as uh, linking arms with false churches. One is the disgrace uh, it brings as far as the bride of Christ. Paul said that, he told the Corinthians that they were an espoused virgin unto Christ. And you know what that means. But I don't need to go into detail on that. They were a pure church. A virgin church. They had the Word of God. They had the right beginning. Created by God Himself. And not a man. Pure in doctrine. Well, I've got a question. For you pastors here today, and, I, and uh, I'll ask myself the same question. What kind of pastor am I that I'd say, okay, this Sunday we're all going to load up and we're going to go down to the Presbyterian Church for services and we're going to listen to that pastor. And I want you, I want everybody to uh, to be nice and uh, you know, don't don't start any trouble. We'll go in and and fellowship with the Presbyterians, and then maybe next week we might get them to come and visit with us. What have I done as a pastor? What have I done as far as the purity of the church? What father? who had one ounce of love for their child, their young daughter child, what father would ever think of sending that girl over to the neighbor's house and let them raise that daughter who were known evil? Wicked and treacherous people. Who would do that? Some would do that. Would any of you do that? Would any of you even entertain the thought to do that? Well, why would we entertain the thought to, uh, to fellowship as a virgin bride of Christ with a harlot daughter? Or even the whore herself. That, that's the issue. That's what it boils down to. It's just, uh, and as uh, uh, Brother Pendleton said in 1851, uh, you know, it's not just a small thing. 
This is what it amounts to. The invitation to uh, their pastors, to our pulpits, is to authenticate their ministries. We've heard already about ordination. I used to worry about people preaching my sermon, and here I'd come down here and preach, stepped on my own sermon. (laughs) Ordinations are important. Ordinations are God's way of protecting the ministry. And if I tell a Campbellite that he can come in and preach behind my pulpit, what am I saying? What am I telling people? Am I not by my actions authenticating their ministry? Am I not saying that they are just as we are? They're not. They're not. It's God who has made us who we are. There's no pride involved in that. Who we are. Paul said himself, I am what I am by the grace of God. And I'm a sovereign grace, landmark, missionary, Baptist by the grace of God. I'd have never figured that out. But by God's grace. So we cannot authenticate them uh, as far as their uh, ministry is concerned. Acts chapter 18, uh, we see there's an argument that uh, people have made down through the years. They were making it back then. Acts 18, verse 24, I'm sorry. And a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the Scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man was instructed in the way of the Lord and began, or being fervent in the Spirit, he spake and taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them and expounded unto him the way of God more perfect. An eloquent man. Did you know some people believe that Apollos wrote the book of Hebrews? Some people believe that. Because of his eloquency and his wisdom as far uh, as the Old Testament was concerned and uh, all involved there. He was a good preacher. I'd say he was such a good a preacher that, uh, you know, you would like to hear him. But he wasn't a Baptist. He wasn't a Baptist. He's a good preacher. He was eloquent, there's no doubt about it. He knew what he was talking about on most things, there's no doubt about it. And Priscilla and Aquila, you know, they, they talk and they say, man, he's a good preacher. I wish he was a Baptist. And they go over see if they can't make a Baptist out of him. And they teach him about the Lord's church. 
And by God's grace, he believes that. Then Apollos turns around, uh, all of a sudden now, he's a Baptist preacher. And they can have fellowship with him in their churches, you see. God is showing us here the importance of that. Just because a man is eloquent is not uh, enough to uh, for us to allow him uh, into our pulpits. There'll be a separation there. It's demanded demanded of us. Acts chapter nineteen, one and six, and it came to pass that while uh, Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, said unto them, "Have you received the Holy Ghost since you were uh, since you believed?" And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. You need to ask questions. You can find out a lot by asking questions. We haven't heard anything about a Holy Ghost. We heard. Okay. I'll just quit. Thank you.